Welcome to the Conversations As You Go podcast. It's really great to have you with us as we pursue the ideas of making disciples and seeing movements happen that spread spontaneously as a result of people becoming disciples. This week we're looking at a talk that I gave a week ago at Asia Hub. And this talk takes us through three seasons of our lives where we learnt lessons and we uh, went further and deeper as God trained us in the idea of movements. The first lesson was from a season in India. The second lessons that we learnt was from a season here in Melbourne as we worked in church planting. And the third lessons that we've learnt have been this current season as we focus on movements in Australia and into the nations. So thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoy this. WA over there to Hong Kong, Indonesia and um, all over the place. And um, yeah, I, I just feel like I sit at a screen with many people who are doing amazing things and I just want to honour you all on the screen here for your heart for God, for your service and just uh, just come without any sense of that I've got a lot to say to you but I just want to uh, serve and encourage each one of you in whatever capacity I can to pursue what it is to know and follow Jesus and to multiply uh, his message and Make disciples throughout the nations of the earth. So by way of introduction, I live in Melbourne, uh, married to two kids who are now close to 30 and a bit below 30 and just a bit over 30. And and um, this is where you're all meant to respond saying, you look much younger than that, Dave. How can you have kids that old? Um, that's that's the appropriate response that I'm looking for. Um, and, um, yeah, we... Um, uh, my way of vision casting today and to share is really to share my story and and to share some of the principles that came came out of that story so born in Papua New Guinea a missionary kid dad's a bible translator came to came to Australia had a really tough teenagehood got saved at the age of 17 jumped into a mission organization served uh in that mission organization 20 years uh then as a uh, with a past on a pastoral team with a mega church for about 10, 10 or so years, moving from there to what we do today. Um, that's kind of the, the broad overview. But uh, let me just share some of my story picking up in the middle of that. And I want to share a screen here. Um, and my um, sharing is called Learning Through the Seasons. And um, uh, the, uh, the idea of just what have I learned and picked up as we've gone along that has led us to today and so um the the season that I want to start with is when we went to India as a young family and um uh we went in as a uh into this crazy crazy country lived in Mumbai and uh, turned up not really knowing what to expect and definitely not having all the tools that you are being equipped with on a weekend like like this with DMM, Discovery Bible Study, um, all this amazing stuff. We just kind of walked in and just said, okay. And um, we, um, we had a, an amazing time. And this is very formative in my life of what uh, we experienced and what um, God exposed us to. And we were definitely... 
uh, students uh, as we as we went into India, and um, some of that story is uh, we were there doing doing mission, and um, but the things that happened around us was quite not our own work. It was not the things that we um, we did ourselves. It was stuff that God was doing around us. And uh, one day we were we were in in Mumbai and a Nepali uh, Hindu, a Brahmin man, uh, turned up at, a, at our door, uh, came to seek and to know Jesus. And um, he, um, he, uh, he had began his journey in Nepal. Uh, there was a believer in his village who read the Bible and um, this brother called Abai had um, wanted to re- read the Bible because it was forbidden in Nepal and this believer could have been thrown into jail, he refused to share the Bible with Abai, this Nepali Brahmin man. And uh, <laughs> this created frustration as he pursued it many times and finally decided if this, this Bible is so precious that he's not going to share it with me, I've got a journey to go and find out what this Bible and who, who is Jesus so he started a journey that um, went down from Nepal through Delhi somehow, and I'm not sure till today how he got our name and address, turned up at our doorstep, and um, he started to um, live with us. And uh, after a short time of just really going through um, scriptures and who, who is God with him, he, he gave his heart to Jesus uh, in, a, in a way that was just quite profound, and he started to multiply really fast and as a as a as a brahman he was a kind of a spiritual automatically a spiritual leader in his community and in mumbai the nepali diaspora is huge um and so he started to go into factories and where there were nepali workers into restaurants and he started to share jesus and started to see multiple multiple groups planted i was shocked to be honest at his boldness and his um, his ability to multiply. And uh, it was me trying to keep up with him and pour into him and basically in the relational structure, just trying to put my arms around him. And we became such good friends, really, really good friends um, that, um, yeah, it was really a journey of, of explosive multiplication. Um, this next story is... Fast forwarding a number of years, my wife is there on the left, but here we are sitting with generations of Nepali leaders and pastors who have emerged. Each one of these people represent groups and um, generations of Nepalis. But the room that we're actually sitting in is a converted brothel in the middle of one of Mumbai's big red light districts. As uh, Abai uh, not only reached Nepalis, he went into the Nepali um, uh, a lot of Nepalis in Mumbai are sex uh, workers, and he saw whole um, brothels um, coming to Christ, and many of the small churches now are birthed actually in the red light district in converted brothels and prayer houses and quite profound. But this obviously then has multiplied back into Nepal. Generations um, of groups have been planted. Um, quite a quite a profound and exciting experience um 
Another story that we encountered was a, a Kashmiri imam. Uh, he was being trained to take over a mosque, uh, his father's mosque of about five to 7,000, uh, came to Mumbai to do some business and had, a, had an encounter which, in which we did everything wrong in evangelism, as you would do with a Muslim. But he had an encounter with Christ um, where literally after a couple of weeks, um, he, he actually got so aggravated with one of our team that he, he held him up by his neck and pushed him up against the wall. And, um, and uh, he, um, he, uh, he was lying in his bed one night and Jesus literally walked in his room and, and spoke to him and says, I love you and I have a plan for your life. I want you to listen to these people. And uh, he got up and flipped, ran round to this uh, other house where we had our, the workers. And about 4 a.m. one morning, he, he fell on his knees and gave his life to Christ and became a disciple maker and planted groups under severe persecution, being beaten and um, um, is now continually multiplying workers for, uh, from Muslim backgrounds in India. He's not living in Mumbai now. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was just a, a parent encounter. The third story I want to share with you is uh, we targeted this um, this slum. This is a picture of that slum that uh, churches had been trying to plant in Mumbai. It's on the non-church side of the city, uh, on the inner side next to the swamps, a slum of about 300,000 people, um, and um, there were zero churches, and church, uh, various church groups have been trying to plant within this slum for the previous six years and um, uh, had not been able to plant. Each, each plant had been closed down through persecution. And uh, this was, we used to drive past this slum all the time, so we said, let's, let's try and see something planted in this slum. And um, we planted some workers to go and live in the slum. They lived in one of these slum buildings and um, they started to prayer walk. But the breakthrough didn't really come until a, um, they met a guy living at the edge of a slum named Latubai, who, who had come to Mumbai with his family and started find, f- pursuing the dream of um, uh, finding his his uh, his wealth and prosperity in the city of gold, as it was called, only to find himself as a porter in a railway station, falling in front of a train and the train running over both his legs, and to actually find himself losing both legs. He lost his family. His wife left him, went to be with another man, and he was at the edge of the slum living under plastic, absolutely hopeless, suicidal. Our worker went into this slum called Mankud, met with Latubai, shared the hope of Jesus. Latubai surrendered and started to become a follower of Jesus, and he became the multiplier. It was through him that he was so filled with joy and I don't know how to express uh, a picture of his face, but he literally was glowing with Jesus. And he'd, he'd go around house to house to house to house. It wasn't long before one small fellowship was planted, two, and within about 12 to 18 months, we had seven churches planted in this slum. 
um, through a cripple, through a man who had lost all hope. This was the season of season one that I, that I learned, was starting to learn. And some of the things that I learned in that season was that the gospel in good soil multiplies. It, it, it is really going back to the parable of the sower, that it really multiplies and it's fast multiplication. Each of those scenarios was, was quite profound and impacting. And I shared three, but there were actually more than that. But it's, it's really fast. The, the, the next thing I'd like to share is always God's work. It's not ours. And it was kind of like God was opening up the windows for us and we're sitting at the side observing this stuff. Each of these workers, um, we have a saying in Australia, better men, better men than me, Gundagin. <laughs> they, were, they were faster. They were more bold. They were full of Jesus. And I was, I was staggered, amazed, and blessed at their, their multiplication, their boldness, their, their perseverance through persecution, their ability. And my role was simply encouragement, getting behind. Um, each of these people are, are friends today, um, but because the relationships were, were deep. Um, I learned about power encounter, prayer, and the work of the Holy Spirit. Movements cannot happen without the work of the Holy Spirit. And we're turning up into spaces where God is already working. And I learned that key inside leaders, people of peace, are the best. (laughs) So, so, so much faster and better than us. In this season, we also had the privilege of discipling some people whose parents were going to be the leaders of movements who have turned out to be uh, movements of thousands and thousands of churches. And we've had the privilege of since that season of being able to uh, walk beside with uh, church planning movements in India that have exploded. And it's really an exciting uh, season to be in. Uh, after that season, God called us back to Australia. And um, and we started, I, I felt like since we're doing all this kind of stuff, I needed to learn what proper church was all about and uh, how to do church. And I uh, had an invitation to come back into a big mega church uh, in, in Melbourne, Crossway Baptist, and um, uh, worked there for um, and still am and linked with Crossway in the sense that they're our sending home church. But uh, this was a very professional church, uh, big budget, big buildings, big programs. Uh, to be honest, incredibly intimidating for this missionary that had come in from drinking chai in slums and seeing churches formed in of 10, 15 people here in that group and 20 over there and seven over there. And suddenly I walk into a room of, of literally thousands and lights and professional speaking and you go, oh, my goodness, uh, what, what is happening here? And one of my roles, one of my hats was to be the church planting pastor and and this. And the goal was to plant 10 churches in 10 years, which we did. And um, we we planted churches um, in satellite churches. We planted um, churches amongst uh, 
different people groups uh, uh, within congregations and country towns and in places uh, in Victoria. And um, the only problem was, as we went along, we found that by planting churches, we reached Christians because it was Christians that liked to go to church. And, um, and this, was a, this was problematic if we wanted to reach the harvest because um, the harvest um, was not necessarily interested in coming to our models of church. Um, we were missing the harvest. And one particular story amongst many that highlights that was one of our church planters went into an area of Melbourne and started to work there and connected with uh, English beer-drinking pagans, I call them, <laughs> a community of 50 or 60 English immigrants who love to gather every weekend in their home, drink beer, play snooker or play pool. And, um, and our church planner got into the midst of that and he started running small uh, discovery-style groups in there and um, listen carefully to my language here. We could hardly wait till we planted the church. What we meant was started the Sunday morning program and started the worship service in the kids' church and the preaching because naturally and surely all these people who were displaying a high interest in, in Jesus but yet very happy to drink beer and play pool and gather in their homes uh, weekend after weekend would naturally want to make the shift um, to come to church. So we waited till we could plant the church. We planted the church with all the trappings that you would expect of an, uh, a large church. The first Sunday that we planted, two or three came. After that, we didn't see hide or hair of them. And we thought surely they will come. And after about five or six months, we sat down and evaluated and we realized, oh, my goodness, we lost the harvest. And none of them made the connection. They were interested in Jesus, but they were not interested in coming to our church. And so the um, lessons that I learned during this season, and this is particularly talking from a Western Australian perspective, but I think you could apply it in a broader way, that the traditional church is a barrier for most non-Christians in Australia. They're just not interested. It's become totally irrelevant for them. Uh, Why? People have to people have to navigate church culture to find Jesus behind the culture. So we expect them to come in and navigate all our traditions of singing and preaching and gathering and, and ways of doing things to actually find Jesus behind that. I learned that church is really not about the stage and singing and sermons, but churches within movements are formed around households, the extended oikos kind of concept of people that belong together, affinity groups and oikos groups. And if we were to truly reach the harvest we really needed to not start with church first. We needed to start with discipleship first. Discipleship is the core. Discipleship is evangelism. If you want to reach a community of people, you need to start with the concept of discipleship. As, as, as a growing reflection in this season, um, I started to read the Gospels and I was gobsmacked at how different 
what we did to what Jesus did and how we operated to how Jesus operated. We would walk in with a whole pre, uh, set of presumptions and preset thoughts of how to do church. Jesus walked in and ministered into needs and communities and simply his way of evangelism was to encounter people where they're up to, whether it was the woman at the well, whether it was Zacchaeus in his home, whether it was Levi and on and on it goes and simply call people to follow him. So discipleship was the evangelism encounter for Jesus. Um, and it left me, I, I started to develop three basic ideas that came out of reading the Gospels and saturating myself with the Gospels. Jesus made disciples. He made disciples in the harvest. He didn't go into the synagogue and start synagogue classes. He made them in the harvest. He made them, he connected where they were. And he made disciples in such a genius way that they were multiplying all the time, whether it was Levi calling his friends all this, and having parties, whether it was Zacchaeus going into uh, his home and his community, whether it was the woman at the well running back into the village saying, I've found the Messiah, whether it was Mary and Simon and Martha, whether and the stories go on and on and on that he made disciples and he always reached out in in sense of community and groups that were unacceptable to the Pharisees of that of that day because he 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 wasn't doing it the right way. <laughs> um, if you make disciples, you always get church in a biblical sense of what church is. I learned if you plant churches you don't always make disciples. And this was, a, this was a stark kind of difficult lesson to learn because um, we all would presume that churches make disciples, um, but they don't. I learned that you don't start with church. You start with making disciples. And the book of Acts is the fruit of Jesus' ministry. So when Jesus started to make disciples, the result was after three years of his pouring into making disciples acts was the result explosive movement happened uh holy spirit empowered movement that that was radical and on the edge and caused all kinds of conflicts even in the minds of the believers at that time because suddenly that movement broke out into ways of you know the uncircumcised becoming followers of jesus and that was they were desperately trying to keep up and saying what what really really and the paradigm shifts that had to take place and the wrestles and the struggles but it was all filled with power and dripping and oozing with the holy spirit that it it, it kind of looks like that as I started to do this and I started to make the links back into what we're experienced back into India and as well going back into India on a regular basis, seeing movements emerging uh, and exploding and just going, wow. I, I said, Lord, send me back to India. <laughs> send me back to India. That's where, where, where you're moving so profoundly. Send me back. And um, if I could say this with um, a bit of humor, that's where I write my book because <laughs> you can start this stuff in India and it will go like crazy. You do it in Australia, it's hard work. Australians, Aussies, Lord, they're so resistant. They're so hard to reach. India, yeah, that's exciting. You're moving there. And God clearly said after a season of seeking him and asking God, send me back, God clearly said, no, stay in Australia. 
I was so disappointed. I was so depressed because I felt like God had put me on the rubbish heap <laughs> and, and said, no, I want you to stay there. And the following year, my wife and I did the same. We sought the Lord quite seriously over a period of a month or a couple months to say, God, send us back to India. And God clearly said no. And that then moved us into the next season um, where which we find ourselves in today. And the next season is uh, movement focus, disciple-making movement. So as Scott alluded to, um, we started to reach out to households in the west of Melbourne. This this looked like uh, really, really different. In fact, it was so, it looked so different. I didn't do it on my paid days as a pastor because I felt like that that was different. I, I had to do this on my days off. I came back to my wife, Colin, and said, honey, I know what we're going to do with our days off. And she looked at me and groaned. <laughs> As we started to pursue and prayer walk the western suburbs of Melbourne, we just started to go out and, and start a prayer meeting and started to engage in the harvest and so many exciting stories. Um, and it's in this season that I went over and to South Africa and, and, and met this crazy guy that you're going to meet um, called David Watson. And uh, David really poured in where I had the idea of discipleship. David, David actually gave such clarity and, and brought into us concepts that really helped to, to bring clarity. And I, I'm just so excited that you're going to be listening to David, uh, both David Rudrick and David Watson, champions in movement space. Um, but um, we just started to prayer walk and found ourselves in households doing discovery Bible studies with Muslims and Sikhs and Africans and and so many exciting stories and people households being baptized. And uh, in the midst of that, there was a growth of vision for Australia and the nations that came out of this. And as God started, to, as we started to do this, God started to say, what does the Great Commission say? What does the Great Commission say? What does the Great Commission say? We lived in Matthew chapter 28 when Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations. And as you start to uh, map that, what does it mean to make disciples of all nations? You're talking about all ethne, all people groups. And you're starting to, we say, okay, Lord, we can, we can believe God, you, Lord, for the city of Melbourne. And he says, think bigger. And he says, okay, Lord, we can think, we can think of the state of Victoria. And he says, think bigger. He says, okay, Lord, let's, let's stretch our faith and we can think of the whole nation of Australia. After all, Australia's population is only one city of India. And it's like Mumbai, you know, the same population. We could, we could try Australia, Lord. And, and God says, what does my great commission say? All nations. So we go, okay, Lord, I don't know how we can participate in that huge great commission, but let's participate. And so we, we, we saw the growth of vision and, and um, suddenly workers and teams uh, were attracted and were journeying with us and we started to grasp the keys of how do we do movement. So some of the lessons that we learnt uh, was discovery Bible study uh, and the discovery methodology through David Watson. So helpful, so, so helpful. It was for me, it was like the the missing piece of the jigsaw that went in and suddenly everything kind of made sense and really, really helped us to see um, uh, uh, disciples being made. And the call was to start with a group of people and help them become disciples of Jesus. 
um, we see that saw that clear methods accelerated uh, the process. So being able to give people clear methods of how to do this stuff, um, uh, jump in. Here's some tools in your tool belt to really help accelerated the process for people of engagement in the harvest. Uh, a clear strategy uh, to try and boil it down to four simple words of living in that Matthew 28 Great Commission. And we came up with four words as a strategy. We need to pray like crazy. We just got to pour ourselves into prayer, uh, saturation prayer, or, or prayer in night, prayer in the morning, prayer everywhere. And, and, and it's really been poured out, I think, into the DNA of our Praxis teams, which is fantastic is is you meet with a praxis team somewhere in the world they, they say how are you going and they're saying oh we've got to pray more <laughs> prayer is the dna prayer is the place where we encounter god where his 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 vision is poured out for the lost where his spirit is poured out to empower us where we start to be led by god into the harvest field and, and then we go we've got to go and movements are harvest focused. They are they jump into the harvest. You've got to immerse yourself in the harvest. Every effective um, DMM leader that I see yes, immerses themselves in the harvest, and they are harvest focused. Uh, making the disciples go into all the nations. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. We need to pray. Go therefore. We need to go, uh, or as you go. Uh, into into all nations, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. So discipleship, uh, obedience-orientated discipleship around God's word is is crucial. And then teaching people to multiply, replication, replication, replication is is key. So the key, key strategy around four very simple words of pray, go, disciple, multiply, which we can spend a lot of time in, uh, is very important. Um, but values are the soil from which movement springs out of. Values are, are really, really important. So we found the values of uh, wrestling with what are the values that we have to pour into the hearts of leaders and the values of, of um, the word of God. Um, being the living word that's active and alive in our lives. Um, Jesus being the word of God, the word of God spreading and multiplying, the word of God being organic like seed that grows up in, in the parable of the sower that grows up to multiply. The spirit of God, the, the, the idea that every leader, every person in the movement needs to pour, have an encounter with the Holy Spirit and pray, 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 pray. Be in dependence towards God, be in humility towards God, being led by God, being filled with power by God. And then the mission of God, the heart of God, that movements are for everyone. They're not for professionals or, 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 or um, for the, the, the really educated or charismatic people around us. They're everybody is a cripple in Mumbai that can take the gospel and spread it. Uh, is God's heart of inclusion that everybody gets to play in these values. And these values need to be poured into the heart of workers. Uh, and we learned that we, if we're ever to have a hope of seeing uh, this happen, we must multiply leaders and teams. Uh, I simply, I could reach one or two households maybe, and I'm actually not that great at 
evangelist or person um, to do that. I'm, I'm really not. There's people around us um, that do so much better job than us. And so my job is to serve, to multiply leaders and to catalyze inside leaders, to get behind people. And, and so if a leader comes with a vision, my, my standard response is, how can I help you? And, and in whatever little thing I have in my hand, how can I undergird, support you to serve God and fulfill his vision for your life? We, if we're to see multiplication, we must um, uh, catalyze leaders within context. We, we are learning about training, uh, which is what we're seeing on the screen today. Uh, coaching, which is you can't do this without being in a coaching relationship with somebody. You've got to have somebody walking beside you, helping you with the pragmatics of the tools and helping you get through blockages and things to get to where you're going. And mentoring, which is the personal growth, the character stuff, the stuff inside our hearts, mentoring the heart, coaching the skills and the, the saturation vision being the end goal. And um, that's um, that's what we've kind of learned and that's what we're doing and we're, we're um yeah, we, we're excited um, in, in the midst of all this to see leaders raised up and you're going to be hearing some of that uh, from some of them during this time of uh, this afternoon. Uh, I was going to be sharing with, uh, with a, a wonderful brother in, in Indonesia. We're going to be hearing from Myanmar and we're going to be hearing from in Myanmar as he's catalyzing DMM with a national vision there. We're going to be hearing from where this this movement in central india is kind of um it's exploding and we're not we're a bit fuzzy on the figures because it's just going and i'm not sure how to how to measure it we were wanting to be in there last year and this year to spend some real quality time but as you all know covid has put us behind screens and um that has uh, limited us so um, it's exciting, um, and uh, it's uh, there's no other place to be. To be honest, you just want to you just want to dive into this area and uh, participate in what God is doing. That's the end of my presentation.